Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Sunday, December 13th. It's time for part two of your year-end financial planning with the president and founder of Wellstream Advisors, Michael Goodman. In this episode, we're going to talk about those of you who may have had a little bit of a problem. You bailed out of the market. Now you don't know when to get back in. We're also going to cover when it makes sense to pay down a mortgage or refinance and all sorts of general things associated with the year-end. Here is part two of our interview with Michael Goodman. Do you think that there is a likelihood that we are going to see some changes on the tax code? Yes. There, there, frankly, there has to be. And you can play this out you know, politically if you want to, but I just believe non-politically, the deficit and the debt is just reaching levels that we've never seen before. And you can only do so much economically to come out of that. There's going to be many other levers that have to be worked to get us out of that situation. And taxes will be part of that. The real question is going to be, how fast is that going to happen? Is that going to be a 2021 item or later? And what kind of changes? But you can only do so much so quickly. And I also believe that you don't want to, as we're coming out of this COVID-induced economic challenge, you don't want to immediately start raising taxes because there's this big belief and perception that that will hurt the economy. So I think it's more of a 2022 item, but that's just a guess on my part. I don't know for sure. I mean, if you really believe long term that taxes will be rising in the future, does that suggest that you are tending to lean towards Roth options, paying your taxes at these rates now? You know, again, presuming you've run the numbers and worked with your financial planner and done all the things you're supposed to do. Is that essentially your your position with your client base? It depends on the client because I think what a lot of people are missing the boat on is that the Democrats have said, we're only going to raise income taxes on people that make over $400,000. You might be making that kind of money now. In retirement, you might not be. So to pay all these taxes today on something that would probably be coming out of lower bracket in retirement anyway, I think you have to really think through what my bracket's going to be now and in the future. And will I have income levels at that height? So, Michael, um, way back when, I believe it was March, I included you in one of my CBS Sunday morning pieces and the market was in free fall on the downside. It was so scary. And at that time, I think a lot of people completely panicked. They did the wrong thing. They sold. Now we have a more than 60% recovery in stock prices. What can you tell people that have been sitting on this cash? How can they get back in without feeling like jerks or whatever? Like the past is the past. How do we get them back in? Yeah, it's it's really difficult because you're so so focused on this concept of this run up now and I missed that and that's stressful and am I getting in at the right time? 
And is it now the top? And is it going to go down from here? I, I understand. I really do. What you have to do, though, in this instance is really forget about the past. Forget about what happened and only focus on what your goals are going forward. Is this money that you're going to invest for a long period of time such that it really doesn't matter what happens next month or even next year? And then pull the trigger. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be 100% in or out. You know, just put in a little bit every month in a disciplined fashion or every quarter. Just automatically, don't look at where the market is. Just keep adding. The wealthiest people that I meet have always just consistently invested and stayed the course. And so let's go to another area of great interest. We have 30-year fixed rate mortgages at all-time lows. And yet, Michael, I still get so many questions from people. Should I just pay off my mortgage? And I mean, I have a three and a half percent mortgage as if it's like a very expensive one. I think that this is one of those similar kinds of situations with trying to get back in the market that you have a, you're telling yourself or there's some emotional pull about, I want to pay down this mortgage. Talk to folks about how they can determine whether or not they should be thinking about paying down their mortgage or keeping that money invested or in savings or wherever it is. What are the, what are the ways that you think about that decision? Yeah. So if you're in a, a really conservative investor and there's no way you're going to re-enter the stock market at any point in time in the next several years, and all you're going to do is keep your money in cash or in short-term bonds or something very conservative, then yeah, maybe for you it does make sense. Maybe you'll sleep better also, which is a very important part of the equation. But if you're a person that long-term is probably going to get back invested in the market, who's going to probably have a diversified portfolio that has a potential return higher than mortgage rates are today, then most likely it doesn't make sense to pay down your mortgage. Most likely it makes sense to build that diversified portfolio and let it grow. And it will probably do a lot better than what mortgage rates are today. Add in the complication that if you're getting older, how you know you paying off your mortgage when you're 52 may seem like a great emotional relief, but if you're 67 and you have a paid off house, but you need liquidity, you need money, what do you do? What about that situation in the future? How do you frame that conversation? Yeah, that's a really good point in the sense that a lot of people are so focused on not having debt and having this asset. And some people, I believe, overvalue the value of their homes. There's nothing like liquidity or money that you can use. You can't just tear off a piece of your house and take it to the store. So the idea of having money in an investment account or in the bank that you can use for expenses and or opportunities or emergencies is, is critically important. I don't think that the idea of having a paid off house always makes sense mathematically. It surely does emotionally, but maybe not mathematically. When I interviewed you for my book and I said to you, what are some of the big mistakes that retirees make? You did not even flinch. You said, there's no doubt people tend to retire too early. That's like the big mistake. And they spend too much in those early years of retirement. Is that still the case? Do you still have the sense that that's a mistake that people are making around retirement planning? Yes. I, I want to be careful though, and not necessarily call it a mistake as much as it is just, I don't think a good financial move. I don't think people realize how much money you have to have 
to be able to be unemployed, let's stop using the word retirement for a minute and just say unemployed for 30 plus years. You know, when Social Security was first established and 65 was full retirement age, most people didn't live past 65. Now you have people that are living 30 plus years after retirement, and there's an enormous amount of resources that's needed to be available to cover your expenses through that time period. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Just like the length of time that people are living, it truly is amazing. I am going to be uh, judgmental about it. I think people retire too early. And I mean, I guess it depends what you do. And I do love what I do. But I, I do think that the real cure all to many retirement woes is to work as long as you can. And, you know, not just you're having fun, like work, keep working. It's good for you. You know, I always do like a back of the envelope help out for folks who are listening. And we used to say a withdrawal rate, like, hey, you know, here's how much money you can pull out of your portfolio, you know, from year to year and not blow through it all. And so, Michael, when you and I were growing up as financial planners and advisors, that the standard would always be a 4% withdrawal rate. I am now very comfortably at the 3%. Should it be lower than that because of the low interest rate environment we find ourselves in? You make a really good point here about it has to be lower, right? Because if if you're an average 60-40 investor, I'm not saying everybody's 60-40, but that is the most common allocation that I see. So if you're a 60-40 investor and 40% of your money is earning pretty low rates for the foreseeable future, that has to be something that's factored in. That having been said, I'm a big non-believer in withdrawal rates. It's a good back of the envelope sort of litmus test when you first look at something, mm-hmm. but you really have to plug in the math. And a great example of that is if somebody's got great retirement savings, but it's almost 100% in a retirement account and it's all going to be taxable as it comes out, well, you have to factor that in too, right? If you want to buy a car and the car costs $40,000, it's not $40,000. You know, you got to take out 65 or whatever it is to pay the taxes and then have 40 left over to buy your car. You got to factor that in too. What is the dirty secret that you have about your own financial life that people would be surprised about? <laughs> Mark says that he's too cheap to buy brand new headphones that, that allow him to sound better on our air. No, really. What is it? What is what's share a little of the real Michael with us? I think that if, if I had to try to come up with something, it would probably be on a day to day basis. I'm pretty fiscally tight with my cash. But when it comes to doing something that's important to me or valuable, I'll give you an example. Like I'm going to go on a, a vacation with my family. That's where I would probably do it in a bigger way than I normally would. Because at this stage of my life, it's not about items or possessions. It's really about experiences. So I try to make those experiences as amazing as possible. Okay. Hopefully these two episodes, yesterday and today's, gets you in the mindset of there are things to do in the next couple of weeks to improve your financial condition. If anything comes up for you, send us an email, askjill at jillonmoney.com. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. We also want to encourage you, you know, this is these are great episodes to share with people who may benefit from them. So if you know someone who is maybe 
really good with their money, not so good with their money, somewhere in between, send them these Goodman episodes so that you can help them get on stronger financial footing in 2021. So please do that. And if you wouldn't mind, leave us a rating and a review. Mark is obsessed with that. And uh, you can always subscribe to us if you're not subscribing wherever you get this podcast. Okay, now we're going to finish the show by, you're going to notice this, you ready? We're going to thank Michael Goodman. We're also going to remind you our music is composed by his brother, Joel Goodman. How about that? That's a connection I have. I love those Goodman boys. Mark Talercio is our executive producer. We are distributed by Cadence 13. We want to remind you, the virus is out there. It is scary. It doesn't care your opinion about whether you think it's real or not. So wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain your physical distancing, and please try to do something nice for somebody else today. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. 